Welcome to the Team Packed Podcast with your hosts, Jessica McIntyre and Quentin Cools. We hope to inspire you to think critically and biblically about current issues facing our culture, challenge you to make a difference in your community, and ultimately change the world. Welcome to season four of the Team Packed Podcast. We are talking about leadership throughout this series, and our topic today is maturing as a leader. Quinn will be interviewing the Director of Staff Development at Team Pact, Serena DeLoglis. Hey, everybody. It's Quinn, and we're back with the Team Pact podcast. I have Serena DeLoglis with me today. Serena, we've known each other for a long time. Uh, I remember, I think the, the first like distinct memory I have is actually on the way uh, back to the airport after National Convention was over. Yeah. We're in the back bench of like a 12 or 15 passenger van. Um, and then hanging out at the airport with a bunch of other people. And <laughs> so it was just like those early experiences of growing as leaders, uh, you know, through Team Pack's leadership process, um, which for those who are listening, most probably know, but, you know, you go from being a student and you can apply to staff. And then as you progress in, in staffing, you can apply to be an intern. And so there's a select group of people that get these opportunities to lead in certain positions, but all throughout Teen Pact, you're having the opportunity to grow your leadership. And I felt like that was an event where I was growing quite a lot. I'm sure that was true for you too. What yeah, What do you remember we from those uh, <laughs> those early <laughs> leadership experiences? Yeah, well, that was when we were just students and so not necessarily even place in leadership. That would have been, man, like 2009. Yeah. Does that sound right? Yeah, or 10. Yeah. Yep. No, it was before 10 because we were still... Maybe it was 10. Yeah. <laughs> it all, it all plays together. Yeah, something like that. So over 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like such a long time ago. But then there are these moments. Literally just earlier today, I was working on some filing and getting those nostalgic little flashbacks of when I was a student in Team Pact. And just this time of year, leading up to the state class season, it was very common that I would get a Team Pact event for a Christmas present or a part of it. And so it's it. all kind of wrapped together, remembering that. That was a long time ago. Mm. Yeah, I remember that van ride too, very distinctly yeah. with you. It was like the two of us and luggage for 30 people <laughs> or something like that. It's amazing how many of those experiences I've had over the years, yes. like back to D.C. <laughs> and different events like that where it's a couple bodies and a whole bunch of luggage. Feet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty incredible. So it's cool to think about your particular, call it a leadership career um, in ministry where, you know, you served uh, in student capacities, student leadership, volunteering, you staffed, you interned. Um, but now you fast forward a few years and you're actually leading the staff development team as the director. Um, so I think it was, was it 2016 when Aaron Watson left that mm -hmm. summer and so there was a vacancy for this director position. And, you know, what was that like for you um, taking on that mantle? Was that uh, an exciting thing, a challenging thing? Like, did that, yeah, just talk to me about that experience of transitioning into such a prominent um, discipleship and leadership role. Yeah, as I think about each phase of my transitions within Teen Pact in each of those steps of leadership, it's hard to not separate that from the people who came before me in that. And so I remember at that time, genuinely, it's a little bit cliche, but just what an honor it was to get to 
have that position from somebody you mentioned, Aaron, who had held it before me. I mean, he was and still is a personal hero of mine. And so to have gotten to work with him, but then to get to have that same opportunity was incredibly humbling. At the same time, with each of those steps up, it's also is just naturally such a stretch. And and sometimes when I think sure. back to the way that transitions just happen, and I don't think this is just within Team Pack, but just anytime you take on a new mantle of leadership, it's hard to remember what life was ever like even before that. Mm. Yeah. And so it's kind of, it all blurs together for sure. But I remember feeling very excited and very overwhelmed at the same time because of that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, for the staff development team, uh, you know, it's a team of two, sometimes three people Mm -hmm. when you add in an intern, but, um, you know, you're overseeing, you know, a team of, you know, 20 plus interns and, you know, 200 plus staff and all these applicants year after year. I mean, it really is kind of the core, I don't know, leadership development, like thing for teen pack, like our, our volunteer staff process where students who are still just, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old are now helping to lead the program and given that responsibility, that's huge. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about what makes you most passionate about leading this particular team. Like, there's a lot of different opportunities in ministry, different organizations, even within Teen Pact, you know, there's fundraising and there's, you know, brand communication and there's, you know, all these different components. Um, but staff development is is kind of this core element of training, discipling, leadership. Like, talk to me about what you're most passionate about with your team. I think the thing that got me so excited about getting to serve with Teen Pack, even back when I was a student first applying to staff. And even now, what keeps me coming back every day is recognizing the capacity of young people in particular. I agree that within Teen Pact and certainly in many other parachurch organizations, leadership takes on lots of different flavors and manifestations within different roles. Volunteerism looks different from organization to organization. But the thing that has made Teen Pact special and really unique in some unprecedented ways is that our largest base of volunteers are people who are the same age as the students that they are leaving. I've heard some folks refer to it as a secret sauce. That's what makes Teen Pact just so interesting and gets young people so engaged. I think of it just as one of the most tangible examples of the help of the Holy Spirit in young people. Totally. Yeah. And just seeing the way that God continually uses people. And these aren't just, when we say young people or student leadership, those are fairly common terms when you think about organizations that are geared toward young people, but it's almost always like older young people, you know, the college age people, yeah. college grads, those kinds of demographics. But we're using high schoolers, sometimes 10th graders, mm-hmm. to lead other high schoolers. That's something that's very weird culturally. And it's very unique even when it comes to a ministry perspective. Yeah, when I think about, you know, different uh, youth groups or camps or things, like it is always like the college students coming back to serve yeah. the high school students or the high school students helping to lead a children's ministry for the middle school, you know, and it's always kind of like the next step down, which is a great way of looking back and like, you know, pouring into the people of the age that you were just in and whatever. It's so strange to do that at a peer level when they're still so young. Um, 
but I think it's it's so important, like you said, for the for us to recognize the capacity of young people, mm-hmm. and and you connected that to the Holy Spirit's presence in their life, yeah. where Teen Pact is you know so focused on gospel centered discipleship that we're not we're not looking at this as like an isolated um, thing apart from God's w- gospel you know, spirit filled work in their yeah. life. Like we're actually looking at it and saying, Hey, if you are a believer and if you have developed these particular skills and you are pursuing this kind of character, we actually want to elevate you in order to serve. And it's not to elevate for the sake of, you know, any sort of fame or success or whatever, but it's, it's helping to shape you more into the leader God made you to be right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to think about the fact that if our model for leadership ministry, just our example in all things righteous is Jesus, the fact that he himself said that it was good that he should go away because he would send his helper, that helper, of course, being the Holy Spirit, and recognizing something that Mrs. Cindy Cox, our Georgia State coordinator, and I just worked with her at Endeavor as she was our event director there, something that she says often and said at that event as well, is that for young people, we're not given a junior Holy Spirit. That goes for the six-year-old who is saved to the 13-year-old to the 19-year-old. No matter what phase you're at, you're not given a junior Holy Spirit. And I think that goes for the other end. It's worth saying of the age spectrum as well. If you think about the elderly people in our lives, they're not given a diminished, you know, kind of settling down Holy Spirit. If you are saved, you are given the full power of the Holy Spirit because of the blood of Jesus. And so to see that happen in young people and what that can actually do, that's not just doing lip service to a Christian doctrine, but to see that practiced on a day-to-day basis and it be that example of your peer leading you, that that's what then inspires you is amazing. I mean, I remember when I was a student, I had that classic time on the final quiz where you're allowed to guess the staffer's ages. And I was a student, I was 14 when I was a first-time four-day student. And I guess, you know, in the early thirties for most of the staff, maybe older. Yeah. 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 And this is a common thing, but I was very sincere. And then to find out that they were 15 and 16, and I think 18 was the oldest on that particular class Mm. blew my mind. And then to become one of those, even still, even after having been one myself, I was a younger staffer at 15 at the time. And then to serve and having been doing this role now for almost 10 years, I still am blown away when interns are sharing their age. I still have that. Oh my goodness. You are very young (laughs) moment. No, totally. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just amazing to see how the Lord is helping them be those leaders. So in the, um, in this podcast series, we've talked about how, uh, everyone's called to leadership. Like we've all been, Um, called to Mm -hmm. influence and to help move people from where they are to closer to Jesus. Like that's part of discipling. That's part of leading that's influence. Um, And then the last couple episodes, we've talked uh, a little bit more in depth about, you know, the character of a leader and developing that and the competency, like the skill of a leader. Um, And, and I wanted to bring you on to the podcast because you guys and your staff development team have, these dimensions of maturity, or you might have a better phrase for that, but, but ways of evaluating leaders and, and help them grow and to almost kind of, um, see where, where they are maturing. And so as we're, you know, focusing, you know, kind of this episode on, on maturing as a leader, 
could you kind of share with our listeners what those different dimensions are? And then maybe we could, you know, get into each of them a little bit. Yeah, for sure. So when we first developed these, and I say we, but I don't think I actually had a part in this. This was, these concepts were around before I was serving full-time in the department. But when you say leadership, there's so many different expressions of that, and it's kind of a vague thing. And so we break that down into particular areas of maturity that we look at when we're evaluating staff applicants or our intern applicants or other people who just want to get involved. We point them to these three areas, and that is personal maturity, spiritual maturity, and social maturity. Hmm. Okay. So in these different kinds of I don't know, dimensions or areas, um, there's, uh, there's a desire that you guys have to help people grow. You see areas where, you know, some people seem to be really strong in one or two areas, but they could be growing in this other area and that would really improve the way that they lead. Let, let's talk about, um, let's talk about spiritual maturity first. Cause we, we've done some, some talk yeah. over the last couple episodes about, kind of character formation and stuff like that. So t- talk to me about, you know, what, what does spiritual maturity look like? Um, not even just in a young person, but just as a believer, what should the, that look like in our life? Yeah. Spiritual maturity is easily the foundational element of maturity. I would say element, dimension, quadrant, <laughs> whatever, yeah, whatever right. term, <laughs> sector yeah, of, yeah. of maturity. Um, and spiritual maturity obviously has to do with that individual's relationship with the Lord. And there's two vantage points that we look at. One, how deep the relationship with the Lord is, and then how that is spreading out towards others. So how they're being filled up and how they're consistently pouring out in a spiritual sense toward other people. It's that kind of bi-directional, if you picture, you know, the Lord reaching down to the individual and filling them up and then them reaching their hands out to those who are around them in order to serve. That's where we kind of look when we're assessing spiritual maturity. And you need both of those elements. It's not just about if they're safe. Although, of course, that's the most important question if they have a relationship with the Lord in the first place. But is that dynamic and is it growing? Have they seen spiritual growth in themselves over the past while? And are they extending that growth to others and using that in order to minister to other people as well? Yeah, I think with young people in Teen Pact, um, we've started to monitor um some, some of this through different questions and applications. Yeah. We've asked about, um, you know, participation in their local church, yeah. participation in missions, you know, different questions like that, just to kind of gauge like, okay, how invested are you not just in a me and Jesus, I'm going to keep this isolated just to me and yeah. my bedroom and reading my Bible. And no, 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 it's supposed to look like an all life thing and it's supposed to affect your relationships with your mom and dad and your siblings. And it's supposed to, you know, be influenced by a local church congregation and it's supposed to, you know, drive you toward loving and caring for people who are inside and outside of the church. Yeah. Um, where do you see areas, whether in young people or just kind of as you observe kind of the life of, of things today, you know, coming off of, uh, you know, so much with the pandemic and whatnot Mm -hmm. in terms of relationship to this concept of spiritual maturity is, is it, uh, like where, where are people struggling in this area? Is it, is it, um, being connected to a church? Is it having like 
an, an actual mentor discipler who's like meeting one-on-one? Like, where do you see sometimes that lacking where it's like, ah, like I see your desire to lead and serve, but, but there's kind of this missing thing here that I really want you to see. Yeah, it is very much that community aspect. And some of that is because we are all coming out of a season of a lot of isolation on differing levels, being quarantined or just things being shut down and restricted, including Teen Pact, that in 2020, a lot of opportunity for just natural outlets for community were taken away. And so what we're seeing here a year later is that as people are getting back into that, it's just hard (laughs) to jump back into church life, especially if that potentially wasn't as strong to begin with, to get back into that. Even just the drain that comes with being around a lot of people again can be something that we've seen people struggle with on a spiritual level where they have a good Mm. relationship with the Lord and are having good quiet times in the morning, are growing in their prayer life, but they don't have other people that are consistently pouring into them or who are seeing their life on a day-to-day basis and calling them into accountability. So community and accountability are where we've seen a lack, although it's been encouraging to compare the staff application process as kind of our litmus test from last year directly uh-huh. after the pandemic into this year, 2021, there is growth there and that's very mm. encouraging. But by and large, I think young people, at least in this demographic that we're talking about, would be served by stepping into that a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. I I wonder if... Uh, you know, based on our human tendencies, (laughs) if you almost create like a new routine or new normal that you're, you're kind of okay with, but it's not the way that God actually like designed you to live and thrive. And so part of it, I mean, for some people, they just haven't seen what like a healthy community should look like. So in, in our context in Teen Pack, there's actually a lot of students that will look to Teen Pact events and to teen packed friends spread out across the country as almost like this um, oasis away from whatever's going on in their life because they don't have a local church community that they're invested in that's caring for them, that's teaching them, that's, you know, discipling them. And so they almost look for that, which, which amazing, right? Amazing that teen pact is able to offer that kind of community and teaching and, and so forth. But you know, we've talked as a leadership team so much and, and with our national office staff that, you know, our desire is not to, uh, to, I don't know, miss or to, to replace the church. Yeah. Yeah. Like there is a, there's a huge need, um, to be committed to a local church context. And, um, so I, I see that for, for young people, but I see that for, um, for, for parents too. Like I, I, I think about that for adults that whether they're listening to the podcast or not, like, that's a genuine question when you're evaluating your own leadership maturity Yeah, is to say, okay, in, in this growth of spiritual maturity, am I connected to the body? Am I connected to the body of Christ? Am I a part of a local church community? Am I receiving that preaching? Am I singing those praise songs with the gathered body unified around Jesus? And am I you know, participating in communion and, you know, it's like all those things. Um, I referenced an article in a previous podcast episode with, uh, Peter Martin, um, that uh, I think he sent to, to you, me and, uh, Jackson Hicks, but it was, it was the one called I was discipled by the church. Mm -hmm. And it, I mean, 
as I skimmed through that article, it just, it highlighted again and again and again, the process of, it's not even, it's not even super rigid, uh, how discipleship happens in church life. It's that you're consistently engaged, you're consistently receiving and being poured into and then pouring into others. And like, that's part of God's design. So we should be about that, right? Like we should be about that if that's God's design for us. So spiritual maturity, that, that one is obviously kind of a bedrock, uh, for our maturity as leaders. Um, maybe we could talk a little bit about social maturity, um, maybe define that and then kind of give me, give me some ideas of what that looks like when it's strong and then where that maybe is weak. Yeah. So social maturity is where we ask, is this person in a place in their life where they are seen amongst their peers as a leader already, or at least growing into that. And this has to do with when you put somebody in a group of other people, are they one who is more likely to just stay in the background and blend in? Or are they one of the first people to stand up, you know, when an instruction is given? Are they somebody that others around them look to as their example and just know that they're trustworthy? A lot of people confuse social maturity with just being social <laughs> or how many friends Ooh, you have. Yeah. How interesting. many? Well, and that's a, that's a question that we get a ton in staff development is how much of this just has to do with popularity. You mm. know, if you have a solid family name <laughs> behind you where you have six brothers and sisters who have come before and done a good job for us. So we're going to give you a shot as well. Or is it only about who runs for office at national convention with the catchiest campaign slogan that we all remember and say to ourselves, it's not about that at all. Those things do help. I will say just as an aside, if somebody were to say, I want to apply to staff, what would be the top recommendations that you would give me? The number one thing, which we already talked about is I would look at that parent or that applicant and say, get involved in your local church. Mm. And then a number two thing would be, yeah, run for office at your state class, you know, run for chairman of your committee or senator or at national conventions, step out and do a national campaign if that's something that you're interested in. But it's not because you're trying to get your name out there more or you're trying to gain popularity. It's not just about how well known you are, but how much you're looked to as a leader. You know, we're all in those situations. I face this a ton just as an adult when you're in a room or maybe at a community group and a question's asked and everybody kind of like looks toward that one particular person, whether it's the de facto leader or just somebody that, you know, typically takes charge in these yeah. situations. That's what we're looking for when it comes to social maturity is yeah. do they lead their peers? Are they well-respected by their peers? Even if it's not in this super structured sense, it's not about who does the most leadership activities, but just who is seen in their community hmm. as somebody who's mature amongst them. So, J-Mac and I had an early conversation on the podcast a few weeks back about uh, this idea of is a leader born or made? And it really, you know, caused me to pause and think mm, where, you know, on the one hand, there are some people who are just more social, more vocal, more communicative, um, life of the party types, um, if you're a Myers-Briggs follower, it's like the ENFPs or sure. like the classic, you know, just people, people, right? And, you know, but then we started talking about like, okay, but it's not like, that's not necessarily just leadership. Like just being no. social doesn't mean you're effectively leading. Like you right. are influencing people and maybe a lot, but, but sometimes it's, it's the, 
the quiet confidence of somebody who who leads in more subtle ways and and is yeah. not as vocal and so forth and they they can be the effective leader. And so I yeah. guess I guess my question for you is if somebody doesn't feel like you know like they're super super strong with social maturity like you know and you evaluate that and you're like ah that I just don't see that that's me or you know you ask a couple mentors or family members and they're like yeah I think that's an area you could grow in how do you even start to grow in like social maturity that seems like a really difficult place to yeah. be um have, have you come across that question before and and where do you go with that yeah yeah absolutely especially because a lot of the idea of social maturity is tied to just our identity as a whole you know we yeah, can't it feels really personal <laughs> yeah and, and we can't always control what other people think about us yeah where you know we have people who are like I'm trying to be everybody's friend but it's just not working mm. out I understand that that was a little bit of my story to you coming into team pact is I did not have quantifiably a ton of friends by any means but look to the examples of scripture as you're talking about somebody who's least confident I was thinking of Moses you know he was very low in his self-confidence he didn't he didn't speak clearly he didn't even want to lead but God called him and he went before him and said that he would be with him and gave him the words to say you know when people question Moses asked when people question why I should be leading what do I say and the Lord pointed Moses and us all directly back to himself as in he is the great I am and then think of JL in the book of Judges who's a behind the scenes girl over here but then slays somebody who was an extremely vicious ruler in her land just because she was available and willing to step up to do some crazy things Mm. and I mean those are just two examples that immediately pop into my mind but there's so many others I guess Peter's one more like he was an awkward dude. <laughs> you know, and then you, I, I've enjoyed studying Peter lately and looking at his leadership where he's on mm. maybe the opposite end of the social spectrum. You know, you have quiet Moses on this end and then Peter who is jumping out of the boat to try to walk on water yeah. and sees Jesus on the shore and just takes off swimming without thinking about it. Or we just studied this passage in our church as you know. Quinn and I go to the same church if, if that wasn't known, but where he, you know, is in the garden of Gethsemane and soldiers come and Jesus says, I am who you're looking for. And these soldiers fall on the ground because of the majesty of the presence of God. And they're already down, you know, and then Peter grabs a sword and runs up yeah. and is like, I got this and cuts off an ear, just way too zealous. And the Lord comes behind him and corrects that mm. and takes care of the situation like he did with the other more quiet examples. So whatever end of the social spectrum you would yeah. identify with those party people who are a little too much or the super quiet people, there are examples in scripture for you you, but they all entirely, entirely, and just relate back to simply following the Lord Mm. and trusting him to not utilize constructs of what we see as being popular or being looked to as a leader, but instead allowing him to use us. And when we look for social maturity in the staff application process, it's for a very specific kind of niche position in a four-day state class staffer. So we are going to look at a particular spectrum, but in that we're all called to leadership and all made for leadership, it is important to recognize that if serving in Teen Pact or where God has made you socially mature is not a good fit to staff or in this particular context, whether yeah. it's right now or ever, 
there are so many others where that will be the case. And so we don't ever want to confuse like the biblical standard of social maturity with what we look for very specifically in this super narrow bandwidth for staff applications. Mm. Yeah. I was talking to um, our pastor, Matthew, about um, small group leaders at our church, and he was referencing a couple where um, the man was feeling less prepared to Mm. fully invest in leading a small group right now. Um, knowing that his wife is, is very capable administratively and would be, you know, just knock that out of the park sort of a thing. Um, but she was over capacity with other things that she's committed to. And so there was this seemingly quiet, quiet, uh, confidence or like humility that, um, that I heard kind of described about both of these individuals where they were not, um, pushing beyond the limits of kind of where God had called and equipped them to be. Um, but they were kind of recognizing where their giftings were and then just, okay, like, and that's, that's a good place to serve over here instead of, instead of right here right now. And I don't know, that kind of got me thinking about some of the social maturity stuff when you talked about Peter and Moses in particular, because we, you know, we get to see their stories a little bit longer, um, through the Bible what, what encourages me with you bringing up those examples is that we actually got to see that maturity happen. Like early on, Moses is like, no, that can't be me. Yeah. I'm not going to be the the big vocal leader in front of the people or in front of Pharaoh in that case. And, and, and Peter being just so brash. And so just like, I'm, you know, you know, you know, kind of the do think do, you know, yeah. <laughs> at its worst or whatever. Ready, fire, aim. Yeah, exactly. Kind of a, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but then to see how God grew those, uh, those leaders over time yeah. and you do see them maturing to where the, you know, the, the songs and Psalms and teaching that Moses uh, had that's preserved in scripture and, and the teaching and the words of wisdom that, that Peter um, gave us through scripture. Like it's, it's pretty amazing to see that where they were to where they ended up. I, I, I kind of want that to be the thing that people think about when they think about maturing as a leader where it's like, you know, you shouldn't expect that right now, whether you're 10, 20, 30, 40 years old, yeah. like you shouldn't necessarily expect that you've arrived. Like this is uh <laughs> this is yeah, a process. Yeah. And I mean, it's part of our, our own sanctification, like leadership development. Like that's what we often talk about in Team Pact, but really it's a, it's a component of sanctification. It's a component of what does it look like to faithfully follow Jesus in every area of life and how do I help other people do mm-hmm. the same? And that's kind of the leadership component that we often attach. So yeah, that's really good. So uh, the last one you said was personal maturity. How does that differ from these other ones? Can you kind of describe that? Yeah, this is a little bit more simpler in, in, in where we just seek out to see how somebody is doing in taking care of themselves personally. So Mm. if I can rephrase that, (laughs) it is, this is where we ask questions along the lines of, is this somebody who's timely and trustworthy, who is able to get their work done, you know, take care of themselves is relatively low maintenance, which is something that the low maintenance part in particular is something that I love to ask staff applicants about if I'm sitting in on an interview with them or just talking with them, because it's important to distinguish that being a low maintenance person, somebody who doesn't require a ton to take care of themselves in the course of the day, they don't need a lot of attention to be okay. You can just 
just work hard, lead others, serve well. Being low maintenance does not mean being no maintenance. And so Hmm. that's a very important distinction that sometimes people confuse, that they're not ever allowed to ask for help or they can't ever need something or that it's unreasonable to expect some time to themselves each morning as they're getting ready or what have you. We're not looking for people who are either already 40 years old and don't need anything not that that's ever the case, <laughs> or people who just perfectly have it all together, but just right. those who are relatively low maintenance are able to give much more to a team than they take. Yeah, and there, I feel like if you expand this beyond kind of where we're at in Teen Pact and evaluating it within that particular environment, um, the way of, of identifying personal maturity is probably a big season of life thing, I yeah. would think, um, you know, where you know, there's, there's just certain things that happen in relationships and education and jobs and money and, you know, possessions and just like things happen. Yeah. You just grow up. Yeah. Um, and you have, you know, whether it's relational challenges or personal mental health challenges or, you know, difficulties with, uh, you know, uh, your, your church or, you know, there's like, there's just things that happen. And so it's not even that you're, like taking two steps back to take three steps forward or something. But there is kind of, I feel like a, as the things around you are fluctuating and there might be storms going on, like there's almost like a centeredness or like a, yeah. a quietness in the storm that you, that you're looking for in leaders. Yeah. Um, you're looking for somebody who is going to be that low maintenance person where things are not going super well it's not that you don't talk about it because right. we want you to share that, you know, something hard is going on in your life or something. But if that becomes like the only thing and the all consuming thing, well, then you're not in a great position to be able to lead other people right now. Like right. you're, you're spending so much time thinking about this thing that's going on in your life, which is so important and you should spend time, you know, investing in, but that might mean to the exclusion of leading in this particular capacity. Uh, have you found that that is particularly hard for people? Cause I feel like there's probably people that like check the other boxes of leadership and they're like, yes, I'm, you know, yeah. I'm seen by my peers as a leader and, and I have a genuine relationship with the Lord and it's, and it's not just me and him, but it's, you know, it's investing in other people. And I, and I have all these people that are recommending me to lead, but I've got all this stuff going on in my life and I just, it, it's a little overwhelming right now. And then you, you might have yeah. to be the one to say, yeah. And that's probably why it's not a good fit right now. Like, I feel like those are probably some of the hardest conversations. Yeah. Those are the most difficult just decision letters to give out to people. And when we have to give a no because of something that is just due to whatever that applicant is going through, maybe even outside of their control. That's really hard. But that's one of those steps in growing a little bit in personal maturity is also just being self-aware of where you're at and how you're doing and recognizing, and this goes for all three of these areas of maturity, but with personal maturity, recognizing that what God has in your life and right in front of you is for a purpose and being willing to embrace that in the sense that you're going to continue to move where he's leading you and guiding you. And sometimes that will be in a season 
where you just need to hunker down and receive a lot of care. Yeah. Yeah. And receive the care of others pouring into your life. You are getting really filled up and poured into you by the Lord and by those who are around you. And then there are seasons when you're in a place personally where it's a good time to step out and pour out into other people. And we can't always control when those hit. But the good news is about personal maturity in particular is that I think this is the easiest one to practice just Mm. in home life. Because it's not just about how you're doing on these deep levels, but just are you somebody even within your family who's seen Mm. as reliable? Are you the first to get up and start the dishes without being asked? Or are you somebody who gets up and out the door on time for whatever the family thing is that day? Yeah. Are you checking in with younger siblings and going to your parents when you need help with something Mm. on even more surface levels? This is something that is so easy to grow in a little bit more and recognizing that as young people, especially, it shows a sign of their personal maturity when they step back and say, wait a minute, I am just 16. And so this is something I might need some help in, or I've been struggling with anxiety or some depression. And instead of trying to handle this myself, I'm going to go and talk to my pastor, go and get help or go see what else can be done to help me mm. in this situation that those are signs of personal maturity. They're not disqualifiers yeah. of leadership. That's really good. So, okay. So I have a question on that. Yeah. I, um, month or two ago, uh, got to see Titus Hobbs, uh, who was a teen packed student from Kansas. And, um, he, he served with us in a staff capacity, applied to intern. Um, and then it's been maybe, you know, three to five years since all that. And he's graduated from college and I met up with him in DC and it was just so good to reconnect. And honestly, to also just see some of the growth and maturity in his life since his time in teen pact in high school and so forth. But one of the things that he was just so open and honest about was that process of applying for a leadership position at teen pact is so vulnerable because yeah. you desperately want the position you yeah. want to lead, whether it's as a staffer, a travel staffer, an intern, a program, like you want this thing. And yet, you know that if you share a little bit too much about what's <laughs> going on with personal yeah. things that are overwhelming and, and aren't quite stable, um, you might risk not being able to lead in that capacity. Mm-hmm. I feel like I might know the answer uh, that you'll give, but what do you encourage somebody to do? Um, and th- this might be broader than just team packed, but when, you know, you want something and it's even, it's even a good thing, Yeah. but there's something that needs to be said or needs to be shared. Like, do you tell somebody to go ahead and open up about that or? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What we are looking for in Teen Pact, I'll start by speaking to that, are not people who have matured in the past tense in each of these areas or any others where they are fully matured, you know, ready to go. If we get somebody that looks like that, in fact, we have to dig a little deeper because Mm -hmm. we know there are no perfect people and we're all sanctifying works in process, you know. And so both within Teen Pact and outside of Teen Pact, you have to trust the Lord in his process in that if you're going through something and he simultaneously calls you to apply for a position, whether or not you're actually accepted I don't think that he would call you to apply, put these hard things in your life, but then also 
ask you to lie about them or to keep them hidden mm, in good. some way. Yeah. You know, all of those things happening at the same time are things that he's putting together. And for us, for Jackson and myself and other people who are involved in the staff and intern selection process, we are just looking for patterns of growth. And so mm. I, I agree and I experienced this myself that divulging something to somebody who's interviewing you for a position can feel so scary and feel like this is either going to be a nail in the coffin or some kind of big disqualifier. But if we are looking for people who are showing signs of growth, then you have to be able to be honest about the weaknesses in the first place so that you can measure that growth. We're not looking for stagnant young believers serving. We're looking for people who have hard things Mm. that they're growing through because we so believe that the Lord redeems all of those hard things for his glory and our good. And we want people who are aware of that redemption process in their lives and who are aware of their weaknesses because that's where his power is made perfect. And so if you believe that his power is perfected in our weaknesses, then does it mean we boast in our weaknesses? No, but we boast in his power being perfected through that. And so just embracing that and letting that be the song that you live your life by, even in these vulnerable kind of circumstances where it feels it is a risk. It is a risk to open up always. Yeah. But it's one that the Lord will help with and reward, I really believe. Yeah, and I and I feel like when you connect it to God is with you, God is guiding you, like God is directing your path, God is sovereign, that really gives you kind of a, a sweet confidence where it's like, well, whether I get this position or I don't get this position, like God's growing and maturing me and making me more like Jesus. And that's what I want more than anything. Like it almost allows you to hold things a little bit more loosely. Um, and I mean, and we could apply this, uh, you know, out across the board for pretty much any area of life, like where we get pent up, you know, stress and anxiety over things where it's like, okay, time out, like, like, the Lord is like shaping you into the image of his son. Like, do you think that this thing in your life is somehow like throwing his plan off course? Or is it possible that, you know, by introducing this thing that he actually is meaning to do something to grow you, to make you more mature, to make you the kind of leader that he meant for you to be. I like what you said, especially about you're not looking so much for the past tense matured, but you're looking for people who are maturing. Yeah. And I think that really sums up this whole, this whole, uh, episode that, um, as believers, you know, it's not so much that we're going to get to a place where it's like, ah, I've arrived. I am socially mature. Check. I'm spiritually <laughs> mature. Check. No, no. And it's really, if you feel that anywhere in your spirit, like that, that should be a a check within your spirit saying, whoa, wait, wait, time out. Like that's, that's human pride. If anything, it's saying, no, no, I need to fix my eyes on Jesus and continue to run this race. He's the one that's going to finish it and perfect it and um, yeah, and complete it. Thank you for joining us for this special edition of the Team Pact podcast. Have any questions about today's episode? Send us an email at communications at teampact.com. Or you can visit our website for more information about our programs and state classes.